You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey, and welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. I am sitting here with Carly Stagg. She is a former nutritional therapist turned family nurse practitioner specializing in functional medicine. So you can see why I had her on the show. Her professional practice focuses on autoimmunity, hormone balance, and thyroid care, as well as complex chronic conditions such as mold, Lyme, pans, and pandas with a nurturing, gentle approach. She is passionate about the innate self-healing capacity of the body and especially practicing medicine in a way that supports the body and regaining balance rather than competing with its natural state. She currently sees patients via telehealth at Ritual Functional Medicine. She has partnered with Chelsea Blackbird in creating the upcoming School of Christian Health and Nutrition, a nine-month training program focused on empowering and equipping those who feel called to work in the field of health and nutrition. So Carly, welcome to the show. Thanks, Erin. I'm so happy to be here and excited to share with your audience. Yeah, I'm excited. We are going to dive into the nervous system today because that word gets thrown around a lot. We talk about it a lot on the show, but I think it's a really important foundational background to creating balance in the body, especially from a functional medicine perspective. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. It is one of the number one cornerstones of my practice and something I explore with pretty much every patient that I see, whether they come in asking for nervous system support or not. Oftentimes it comes up in our conversations and in their care in the course of their care. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because we really can't address healing until we understand the role of the nervous system and how it supports our body. Absolutely. It's so integral. There's really no way to heal unless you support the nervous system and allow the body to feel safe. Okay. So with that being said, what is the nervous system and and why do we, why should we care about it? Oh, that is such a good question. One of my favorites to answer. So essentially the goal of the nervous system is to protect us against threats. And so the nervous system is the, the system of our body that enables us to survive. And so The way we survive is by actually adapting to stressors. And so the nervous system does the job of not only helping us to perceive, is there a stressor, is there not a stressor? And so our body can actually respond to that, but also actually helps us adapt to the stressor if we need to. Like let's say we're being chased by a tiger. We either learn to fight or flight, or we can hide from the tiger. So our body, the nervous system is used by our body to actually help us escape that stressor by sensing it and then actually helping us respond and mobilize. I was muted because my dog was going crazy. So (laughs) I wanted to make sure that I heard you and everybody heard you and not my dog. So yes. Okay. So with that, and, and I love, you know, the whole running from a tiger just description or analogy, These days we don't have tigers chasing us, but we have a whole lot of other things like notifications on our phone and, um, gosh, I mean, anything can be a stressor, right? Mm -hmm. And so how we adapt or how we perceive that stressor to be in our life makes a big difference in how our body responds. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our bodies weren't designed to have this level of chronic sustained stress for this long period of time. Like our body initially, the nervous system was created in a a time 
when we really had like acute stressors and then they would resolve themselves. Like, okay, for example, the tiger analogy, I think we all like have this mental image of like a caveman, like being chased by a tiger. And that's very easy to understand. We don't always understand how that actually impacts our day-to-day life in the modern world where we're again, bombarded by notifications. Our boss wants things from us. We're getting emails and texts and we're in meetings and we have our kids wanting things from us and barking dogs and all the things we're talking about. Um, And so we have a lower level of stress in terms of intensity, but we are exposed to it for much more prolonged periods of time. And that's where the challenge happens is that we need to adapt in a different way than we have in the past. And so there's really a mismatch between the design of our nervous system and the way that our society is built as it is now. Ooh, that is so good. And, and how that learning to adapt piece, I Mm -hmm. think that we have some low grade stressors Mm -hmm. at a rate and a pace, which we've never had before, like you said, and our bodies are having to learn to adapt to a lot of even the physiological stressors, like the environmental toxins that we're exposed to and the beauty mm-hmm. products and all of, I mean, then the food, that's not really food. And I mean, all of it, it creates a load for us to have to, and we are extremely adaptable and, you know, we were designed in such a beautiful way to survive a lot of crazy stuff, but we're up against a right. lot. <laughs> yep the overall load of stress is just so much more because like you said it's not just mental emotional stress it's physical stressors we were just talking about before we actually started recording about mold and other chronic infections and other things that cause stress that are outside of our control in addition to what you just brought up with beauty products and cleaning products and food in quotes (laughs) it's not really Mm -hmm. food and all those things together just really make it hard for our nervous system to adapt like there's just only a certain amount that the body is able to take at one time without that capacity being exceeded. And then we have the fallout of a dysregulated nervous system. Yeah. And I think that that's really helpful for people to understand when they listen to this, because it's, it's, it's hard to believe that, well, we've survived for this long. We've survived with mold forever for all time. Mold has always been around. So why now, why now are we talking about Mm -hmm. mold and why now are we talking, we've survived with ticks for all time. Why are we just now talking about Lyme? But it's about that tolerance level compared to everything else. And Mm -hmm. so that is really important for people to understand. Yep. And so I think at the root of it all with nervous system work, it's less about okay, let's all go live in a bubble and move to a tropical island. I always joke to patients, I wish I could write a prescription for tropical island vacation, but I can't. So my next best alternative is to give you ways to actually support your nervous system and support resilience, strategies to actually build your resilience, build your body's tolerance, so you can be exposed to more and live a more full life without having to feel like you live in a bubble. Like be kind of have the best of both worlds, like be able to live in this modern world, but also have coping strategies available to you so you can maximize your health at the same time. I can't wait to talk more about your strategies and hear more about how stress impacts the body. But I can't help thinking about our sponsor for today's podcast and how appropriate it is that today's episode is sponsored by Ritual. Did you know that over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet and 95% are not getting the recommended daily intake of key omega-3s? That's huge, especially in relation 
relation to what we are currently talking about on this episode and how stress impacts our body and how we so easily get depleted of nutrients. Well, Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill these nutrient gaps in the diet of women ages 18 and over. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. But Ritual didn't just stop there. They even invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are pretty incredible. This multivitamin was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. This study was published in the leading scientific journal Frontiers in Nutrition. I am a big ingredient snob, and I love that Ritual is committed to third-party testing from USP and the Non-GMO Project, traceable and vegan-friendly ingredients, and always has clear communication with no shady stuff. They also just released Symbiotic Plus. This is a gut health supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic, all-in-one minty capsule. I personally have noticed benefits since using both of these products, both Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin and also the Symbiotic Plus, and I really love knowing that I am putting ingredients into my body that I can trust. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash spark and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash spark. That's R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash spark. Now, Carly, we are talking about stress, and I would love for you to break down the polyvagal theory in relation to stress, because I know a lot of us have heard the words fight, flight, or freeze before, but what does that really mean for us on a practical level, and how does that impact our bodies? Right, right, and I think even the word, the phrase polyvagal theory probably freaks people out <laughs> because it sounds so complex, but it really does bring this granularity and this clarity to what we're talking about when we say that stress impacts our body. So polyvagal theory is this theory that was created by Dr. Stephen Porges, who's a um, a PhD researcher, um, as well as Dr. Deb Dana, who is a licensed mental health counselor. And she's kind of added some nuance to the theory and some practical application for therapists and mental health providers. So those are the two of the leading scientists that have created it. But the polyvagal theory basically describes how our body responds to a stressor. And so essentially, if you can imagine in your mind's eye, like an image of a ladder, there are six total states on this ladder, but there are three major states. And then there's kind of gray areas in between each one. Kind of what we know with functional medicine is it's not just you have thyroid disease or you have nothing. There's a lot of gray in between those two areas and that's where polyvagal really comes into play. It's not just, you know, I'm very activated or I'm not activated at all, I'm frozen. There's there's those mixed states in between. So the polyvagal theory, it really focuses on three major states. So the first is our goal state and that's our ventral vagal like calm, relaxed um, state. And that's sometimes we call it parasympathetic presence. So parasympathetic is not always a straightforwardly awesome thing, which we'll go into um, because we kind of talk about it. Even um, those of us that have gone through nutrition school and all those things, we are told parasympathetic is always the goal. Not necessarily. We need to be able to adapt and move between different states. 
but ventral, ba ventral vagal, this parasympathetic presence should be our baseline. Like this is the healthy nervous system's baseline state. It's regulation. It's where we can rest and digest. Um, when we're in this state and it's activated, we'll feel calm. We will reduce our overwhelm. We'll just feel capable. Our creativity can be activated. It kind of gives you this like, grounded confidence, like an I can do this type of attitude, but not in like a competitive or aggressive way. And so this is a really nice place to be grounded in, but oftentimes this baseline state is not actually our baseline. This intended baseline is not actually where our baseline sits. And so when we are exposed to stressors, when danger is sensed through our nervous system, we will move to one of two other states or another mixed state. Um, and that's through the process of neuroception. So as our body is walking through the world, it's constantly taking in cues, it's looking around, it's using our eyes and our ears and all of our senses to see, is this a safe place for me? Am I okay? What do I need to do to adapt to this, to survive this situation? And so through that process of neuroception, our body would move from ventral vagal into one of the other two states. So the first protective state that we usually go to when we're first sensing danger is that sympathetic fight or flight state that I think we're all familiar with. Like think about running from the tiger. <laughs> so this, I like to think of this state as excessive mobilization. So you are mobilizing energy to an excessive degree. And so you're almost overly activated. Your body is getting the message that I'm unsafe. I need to run. I need to fight. I need to get out of here. So we can actually experience some physical symptoms in this state, like racing heartbeat, irritability, anger. We'll feel very overwhelmed by a lot of big emotions or a lot of anxiety sometimes in this sympathetic state. And um, cortisol, it impacts cortisol, blood cortisol, pressure, right? Yes. Like that's a big one. People that struggle with high blood pressure or elevated cortisol levels, or even if they have that flipped cortisol pattern of that elevated cortisol in the evening, mm -hmm. a lot of times it's because of sympathetic activation throughout the course of their day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, another thing that is really common is kids will be diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, mm -hmm. anger issues, that type of thing, or they get labeled as can't sit still or are told they have anxiety, but really it's sympathetic nervous system activation. Yeah. Yeah, that's yep. huge. That's important. One other thing that I think that is helpful or was helpful for me is to realize that our nervous system, that was what, from what I'm aware of, it's the first thing to develop in utero. So how we right. perceive the world mm -hmm. starts in utero. So even that, yep. that trauma you experience or your mom experienced when you were being right. developed, I mean, it makes an impact on the nervous system mm -hmm. state and how yes. safe you are, because this is about how, how safe am I in the world? How, how do I need to survive? So that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there's actually some studies that in utero, as kids are, as children are more exposed to maybe a high stress environment, like the mother went through significant trauma mm -hmm. during the pregnancy, there's more cortisol released. Mm -hmm. And so that child is more likely to be in a sympathetic state or favor that state after birth versus favoring ventral vagal, which should be what most of us favor growing up. And so that can set the child up for all sorts of things throughout their life. And again, these are one of, this is one of the reasons why if these things get missed, we don't understand the full picture of how 
you know, the stage has been set for this even before we were even born. So this could be mm. something you are predisposed to even before you were born, before yeah. things began to happen to you directly. Wow. Yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned that part about the cortisol release during stressful pregnancies. I think that that's a really important point to make. And, you know, while we are on the topic of cortisol, I think this is a really great time to bring up our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Everly Well. When you know more, you can do more. So what if you could use science to discover more about your body? Find out what you need for your healthier tomorrow with Everly Well. Everly Well is digital healthcare designed for you, all at an affordable and transparent price. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers you need, like the women's health test or food sensitivity test. And as we have been discussing stress and cortisol on this episode, there's also a stress and sleep test where you can test levels of things like cortisol and melatonin. Everly Well also has high-quality vitamins and supplements to support your overall health. You can choose from a variety of options, including vitamin D3 and omega-3 fish oil, both which I am such a big proponent of. Here's how it works. I love the simplicity. Everly Well ships products straight to you with everything needed in one package. You take your at-home lab test just by collecting your sample and using the included prepaid shipping label to mail your test back to a certified lab. Your physician-reviewed results get sent to your phone or device in just days. It is so simple, so easy, so fast. I love it. And you can also share the results with your primary care physician to help guide your next steps. If you ordered vitamins and supplements, you can start adding them to your daily routine right away. It is so simple. Over 1 million people have trusted Everly Well to support their health and wellness goals, and you should too. I've used Everly Well for myself, for my husband. I have recently took the women's health test. I have done the food sensitivity test in the past, and I trust Everly Well because I truly believe in testing, not guessing, when it comes to our health. I also recently have been sampling the omega-3 fish oil, and I love the benefits that I am seeing from that product as well. And for listeners of the show, Everly Well is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com spark. That's everlywell.com spark for 20% off your next at-home lab test. Everlywell dot com slash spark. Okay, Carly, back to polyvagal theory. We just covered the sympathetic mode. So what's next? Yes. So your sympathetic state. So that's the first state. So initially your body says, okay, I need to escape this. But if that sympathetic state goes on for so long, I mean, think about the amount of energy demand and capacity that's going to take for your body to sustain like Again, you're running on all cylinders. Like there is no time to refuel. Your body will get very depleted over time. And so after a certain amount of time, your body says, I can't keep this up. Like I have to pull an emergency break, like emergency stop, we're done. And that's when we go into the second protective state, which is called dorsal vagal. And that's our kind of the opposite of sympathetic. It's excessively shut down. So down this ladder, we go from being ventral Then we go to sympathetic. Now we're at the bottom of the ladder. We're back at dorsal. And it will give you this sense of feeling very overwhelmed, very shut down, unable to move forward, unable to make progress. Nothing I do has purpose or meaning. I want to give up. Those types of feelings are often very much associated with dorsal vagal activation. 
And so again, this happens only after we've exhausted that first stage of hyperactivity and mobilization. Um, so dorsal is really interesting in terms of one of the reasons why people stay chronically ill, because it will actually yeah. limit our blood flow to so many vital organs. Like our brain won't work very well and we're not going to be digesting our food properly. We're, we're limiting blood flow to any non-essential organs, non-essential quote unquote. Your body's focused on the bare minimum. Like I need to breathe mm -hmm. and my heart needs to beat, but we're going to limit blood flow to the brain. So we're, our thinking is not going to be super clear. We're going to have lower energy and we're going to have impaired digestion oftentimes. And what I love, this was really revolutionary for me when I learned about dorsal vagal, because mm -hmm. <laughs> this, this is great. I thought for so long, I was so proud of my low resting heart rate, heart rate right. and my low blood pressure. Right. Cause right. these are good things. And then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. My mm -hmm. body's just in shutdown and I am surviving and even low um, body temperature. And that's mm -hmm. where we do see things like thyroid issues can pop up, right? Because your body's, your body can only do so much. And so right. I realized I spent a very large portion of my life in dorsal vagal without realizing it, right. <laughs> going through the motions, you know, doing what I can. But um, yeah, I think that's important for people to see that it's, it, 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 it's yeah, it's a very stuck place to be. Yes, it is the ultimate conservation mode. Mm -hmm. Think about like if you, you know, we're trying to conserve food for a week and you mm -hmm. have to plan it out and you're just parsing it out and you're very intentional about not eating too much dinner because you're waiting for the next day. That's what your body is doing in this state. Mm -hmm. And so it is like, okay, you get this bite of food the next day. It's very intentional about how much energy it can expend. And so because of that, you're really not going to be in any way, shape or form thriving. And yeah. essentially it's like the, your body's way of going into the fetal position. Like I can't do it. Like I'm just going to chill here in fetal position. I'm going to do the bare minimum heart rate, bare minimum blood pressure, bare minimum body temperature. And again, we are told these things are good. Our doctor's like, oh, your blood pressure is so low or <laughs> whatever it is. And just like anything, things are good, but not to an extreme. And so we have to be looking at what's optimal and that's an ability to go between these different states. Like maybe our body might need dorsal to hide from an, a predator or an attacker. Our body might need sympathetic to run away from a bad situation, but we don't want to be stuck in these places. And that's where really the, the, the big bad stuff starts to happen is when we get actually stuck and getting stuck is most often, most often happens in dorsal just because of the inherent properties of that lethargic, overwhelmed state, it's really difficult to get out of. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that you mentioned just the protective aspect of it too, because it is um, many of us who have flipped into doors hole for whatever reason, for whatever right. period of time, it's because we had to withstand some hard stuff and our yeah. bodies didn't know what to do. And our brains didn't know what to do. So here we are in protection. And so it's again, a beautiful design in order to protect us, but too much of that really does have some long-term consequences. And I, you know, I, I spoke to somebody, gosh, this was months ago who said that she believes that most all of the mental illnesses that are in the DSM mm -hmm. are really can be attributed to nervous system dysregulation and mm -hmm. the inability to go back and forth. And so I think about my depression, it looked like freeze. It looked like dorsal bagel. Mm -hmm. Like that's what it was. Or then I would have the mania, which would look a lot like this sympathetic fight or flight, mm -hmm. like 
all this energy because we got to survive, you know? Um, and so I think about some of these people that are struggling with the back and forth, how much of it is just, and the kids, oh, our poor kids who are struggling to yes. regulate. And we have so much working against us. Um, and, and just anyway, so yeah, that's, that's so what you're sharing is so important. I'm so passionate about this. I think people need to know this information. Absolutely. And I will say one other thing about dorsal is we can actually, I've actually had a couple patients, if they went too quickly with a detox or a healing protocol, it can push them into sympathetic or into dorsal. Yeah. So I always tell patients to be aware of that. And like, if you get extremely fatigued, I don't want you to just push through like learning to listen to your body is the most important thing you could do with our work together. And so if it's pushing you into a certain nervous system state, that means we have to go slower and honor that. And so especially if we already have a, a proclivity to a certain nervous nervous system state, like some people tend to more go more towards dorsals, others tend to go more towards sympathetic. Um, just being aware of that tendency, any stress we apply to the body, whether that's something that's in the end gonna be beneficial, like a detox protocol or something we're doing for our health, or if it's something like a life stress that may not always be helpful to us, any of those things could push us back there. And so just being aware of what your tendency is, what you tend more towards, and then ways to manage it is the most important thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So how can somebody, how could somebody know what their tendency is? Like, what are some signs of being in, I mean, you gave a few, but if somebody's listening going, well, gosh, maybe I'm in dorsal, maybe I'm in sympathetic. How do I know? Like, what are some what's some criteria? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's so hard. So I would say with, with looking at ventral, you would feel like you are not really, you don't really exhibit tendencies of either one. You aren't like all the time feeling very anxious or feeling very stuck or shut down. You'd feel pretty balanced. And so if people tend towards ventral, they're oftentimes just like, oh, I don't really feel like I relate to either of those. And those folks are very few and far between. Mm -hmm. Most people that I talk to will say, oh, I see myself a lot in a lot of the ventral or a lot of the dorsal like shutdown state. Like I struggle with depression or I struggle with a ton of fatigue or lack of motivation. I have a hard time following through on goals that I know and I've set for myself and I want to achieve them and I just can't do it. I can't make the leap. Like I've had patients tell me I can't make phone calls because the idea of doing it is very paralyzing to me. And mm. that is a, a huge symptom of dorsal, um, of a dorsal vagal, like dominant nervous system. In terms of sympathetic, again, it's a lot of the anger, irritability, anxiety, like big emotions. When people say they have anger issues or sometimes even dependence on substances to kind of get yourself to calm down, mm -hmm. like a dependence on alcohol to sleep or sleeping pills, things like that, need a lot of Xanax, all those types of dependency issues in terms of getting the nervous system to calm can be associated with sympathetic. Just like sometimes people might be addicted to caffeine if they're a dorsal mm -hmm. dominant person. And then what about even like sugar and people who need sugar to regulate the blood sugar and the blood sugar effect on this. Like I, I think about mm -hmm. one of my children in particular right. it, when he's in fight mode and I, I can tell a lot of times he's gravitating mm -hmm. toward, I, I need him to eat protein. Cause that's the thing that makes a big difference, but he gravitates toward the, whatever the refined carbs or the sugar, or is there a sucker? Can I have a sucker? Right. And that seems like a calming and not in a good way, but a it has a calming effect. So what is yep. that connection? 
Yep. So that's really, if you think about sympathetic as burning on all cylinders, if you are firing and so you are using up so much fuel. And so, I mean, people can have issues losing weight in either of the two states, but I would say with dorsal, it's more common. With mm. sympathetic, you're burning things faster than you may really have the capacity to right. kind of replenish them in that time frame. And so a lot of times people in sympathetic will crave a lot of sugar, like quick sources of energy, like carbs, because again, their body burns through things so quickly, you're not getting that long sustained energy, energy even from proteins and fats and that kind of thing, because your body is really just surviving. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And so anybody who has, who, you know, you hear people say, Oh, well, my metabolism is so slow. That can right. be a dorsal thing that can mm-hmm. be just, yeah, your body, your body. Right. And, and that's why I always treat your body's protecting you. Your body is storing right. fat because who knows right. what's going to happen next. What a beautiful design <laughs> that's important I know. to be aware it's, of, but yeah. Well, your body, your body learned that it needed to hold on to things because it doesn't right. have enough. Like, like I, like I talked about earlier, think about dorsal as your body's parsing out. We have just enough energy to get through this day. So if you're giving it food, of course, it's going to hold on to that because it perceives as not having enough as living in lack. Mm. And so just like with sympathetic, how we can't replace things fast enough. Um, oftentimes sympathetic does cause a lot of sugar cravings, which can cause weight gain, but dorsal is really just the shutdown of like not burning anything and holding on to everything. I will say there's an interesting connection here, Erin, with HTMA, like hair tissue mineral analysis tests that I do. Um, if there's certain, there's certain metabolic types of people, like there's slow oxidizing people, and those are our dorsal vagal peeps. Yep. They tend to have like tend to have higher levels of toxic minerals, like toxic metals and lower levels of nutritive minerals because the body's in that depleted, just kind of like we don't have enough state and sympathetic people tend to burn through their minerals very quickly and tend to have a very fast metabolism. It's called a fast oxidizer. And so that's one way I tie this nervous system stuff into my practice is we'll do, you know, this hair tissue test look at that. Not only is it telling you which minerals are you low in, but also why you got there. So we can fix it with ties in why we need to work on the nervous system other than just these nebulous concepts. So that could be a cool thing for folks to do if they're interested in seeing if their nervous system is dysregulated or what their tendency is. You can actually look at hair testing and that type of thing to see. That is so interesting. That is an area I don't know much about is the Mm -hmm. hair tissue mineral analysis. Is that what you call it? Yeah. I have not really dug into that. And so that's fascinating. I believe it. I, I, that's really, really interesting. Okay, cool. So let's talk about befriending our bodies and how important that is for healing. And what does that look like? Because sure. Now it looks like (laughs) our bodies are against us, right? We're, we're in the survival mode. We're trying to, you know, our bodies are trying to protect us. And for many people, it can feel like my body hates me. My body's against me. My body's broken, but you like to flip that language and look at our bodies befriending us. Right. Right. I just, I feel very passionate about this and this is where I'm like, I'm going to (laughs) cry, but befriending your body is so important. Think about if you had a friend and they were struggling and when they were in their their state of struggle, you, instead of being supportive and kind and encouraging and building them up, you kind of were just tearing them down and saying, 
oh yeah, you really aren't great at that. <laughs> oh yeah, you totally dropped the ball on this. And instead of being kind and gentle, you approach them like that. And I think a lot of us approach our body in that way. Like, oh, my body is so sensitive. I don't know why it does this. Like, it's so irritating that I have this tendency to gain weight or I have this tendency to be sensitive to supplements or meds or I, I have anxiety or I have this. Instead of seeing it for the innate wisdom that our body has, like our body was created to help us survive and to protect us. And ultimately, even if it may be a little bit misguided in its execution, that's still what it's trying to do. And so instead of labeling it and blaming it for its responses, what we have to do is look at those responses and analyze and dissect, why did my body create this response? What is it trying to tell me? So learning to listen rather than judge, that's the number one tenet of my practice of patience. We're learning to listen to our body, whatever signal it's giving us, whether it's through our blood test or our hair test or mold testing or our symptoms, how we're feeling emotionally, mentally, physically, all those things are just trying to communicate with us. And we just have to learn to listen better. Our body's response isn't wrong. We just have to learn to listen to it and then respond appropriately based on everything that we know about it. Yeah. And, and that's so huge for those of us who have lived in dorsal vagal because mm-hmm. dorsal vagal, you want to dissociate because mm-hmm. that protects you from feeling yep. anything. <laughs> right. And <laughs> right. so it's, I even think sometimes and nothing again, and I always have to say this, I'm not against medication. I was medicated for 18 years. I don't have a problem with that. You prescribe medications, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing, I'm not anti-med. But I do think there's a tendency in our culture to want to just quickly suppress the symptom with the Mm -hmm. med, because then it makes us not have to listen to our bodies. It makes us not have to dig into what is causing this or experience those deeper emotions and feelings. Mm -hmm. And, and it makes sense to me, but it's, it's hard. It's hard to have to go, wait a minute. (laughs) Right. I need to listen. Mm -hmm. It really is. It really is, especially for those, for folks that go into dorsal, dorsal is very common after traumatic experiences because the, the volume and the intensity of the emotions is so loud. It's almost like if you had your music cranked up to a hundred and you're still trying to focus and think through things like that emotional background noise gets to be so much that then your body has mm-hmm. to switch to dorsal just to get through your day. Mm-hmm. And so it was trying to protect you, but the way to process and move through that is actually to allow yourself to feel in very small increments and start to really open that door, but slowly work gently with your body. Okay, body, what are you trying to tell me today? And slowly learn to reassociate with it. Like you're not going to go from being dissociated to being fully embodied, like present in your body Mm -hmm. overnight. It's a slow process because the reason your body is disconnected was for a protective purpose. And so just like with sympathetic, I have patients that are actually overly identified with their bodies. Mm. Oh, my toe twinges or this or that happens. Or I think, I think there could be mold in this place or something like that. And we can get very, very attached to individual things or symptoms, stuff like that. There's a happy middle place where we can be in touch with our body, but also not overly identify with our conditions or our symptoms as being part of us because they're just a sign. They're not us. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really just finding that middle ground between dissociation and being overly present in the body and not able to, to separate those two. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just having a conversation with a friend this morning. Actually, we were, we take walk, we take a walk every week and we just talk about all this kind of weird stuff. And we talk a lot about fight, flight, or freeze, just because that's, she's a yoga instructor. And so she gets the mind body Mm -hmm. stuff. And she's also really aware of Chinese medicine and all that. So we, you know, we go off the rails with our conversations, but it's interesting. One of the things she said to me is she talked about how God designed us as you know, these three in one beings, body, mind, and spirit. And when we try to separate those, it's almost like we're saying, no, actually, I mean, I know you designed me this way, but I think it's going to work better if I separate these things (laughs) where we really, we truly are body, mind, and spirit. We are. Yes. And I do, I do wonder sometimes I think with sympathetic activation, the body is in front of the mind and spirit versus with dorsal the body is behind so it's really bringing those three like body mind spirit into alignment where your body isn't taking precedent over mind and spirit which is what happens in sympathetic Mm -hmm. like kind of the emotions and the spiritual side of it are ignored versus in dorsal that body connection is just lost completely so we really have to have a balanced perspective be connected to all three and not overly identified with one over the other but that's a great point Erin. i totally agree yeah. And, and, and I think that there, we, we want to explain everything too, you know, we want to have an explanation. And I think mm-hmm. polyvagal does such a good job at tying all of this together, but like you're saying, it's still going to look different for everybody yeah. in every situation. So let's get to the strategies because I could ask you a thousand more questions, but how, how can we support healing? What are some ways that we can mm-hmm. do that? And beyond befriending our body, what does that look like specifically for different people? Yep. I would say, I think the first priority is to be in supportive relationships and community, like whatever relationships you have that are discouraging, like this regulation of your nervous system, whether that's a relationship with like a healthcare provider, whoever it is, I even tell patients, like, if I'm disrupting your connection with your body, like you tell me to go (laughs) kick me to the curb. (laughs) So any relationship or any person in your life that feels like they are kind of interfering with that connection, like this is kind of your permission slip to kind of let that go. So it's creating a supportive environment for healing. You, it's really hard to heal in the same environment that made you actually ill in the first place. And so it's really about rebuilding a life that's supportive of your health in all the ways, not just in body, but in mind and spirit as well. Um, so actual thinking about actual practical ways of supporting our nervous system, there are lots of options we use in our practice. So We actually at work, we have a nervous system assessment that we'll have patients walk through where they see one of our health coaches. She walks them through like their level of sensitivity if they're more prone towards sympathetic or dorsal activation and ways to support them given their lifestyle and their nervous system tendencies. So there's a couple different options that I wanted to share today. So the first one I wanted to talk about is called the Apollo Neuro. And I'm not sure if you've heard about this, Erin, I feel like you probably have because it's one of the cool functional medicine things. So it's a touch-based vibration therapy that you actually wear at the wrist or at the ankle. And it's a certain rhythm of these vibrations that is automatically recognized by the body as like a soothing, gentle touch from like a trusted person, like a friend giving you a hug on a bad day, but it's in a bracelet. (laughs) So it's great for our like executives or those that are really busy throughout the day and aren't having, don't necessarily have that set aside time to 
do lots of nervous system work every single day or throughout the day. It kind of works in the background. You can even program this device to bring you into more activation or less throughout the day. So let's say when you wake up, you have a hard time getting mobilized. You could use a mobilizing mode on the Apollo Neuro. It would bring you into activation and then later at night, it can bring you out of it into more of a calm state in the evening. And the way that it works is by improving our heart rate variability. So heart rate variability is another really important concept that I feel like is very confusing, but essentially what heart rate variability is, is we want our heart and our body, our nervous system to be adaptable, to move along that ladder, right? So you want to make that variability larger. So we're able to adapt quickly between different states, depending on what's called for by our circumstances. Um, so what the Apollo Neuro does is actually improve heart rate variability and also helps with those symptoms. We might have like focus issues, sleep issues, that kind of thing. Um, I've had lots of success using it with kids that have ADD, ADHD, and even adults with like severe trauma or dorsal vagal state, depression, those with chronic stress, all sorts of things. <laughs> wow. Okay. So this is something that they only do at your, with you, or they can get it at home or how does they that work? Get it at home. Yes. You can actually buy it yourself. There's a little bit of a waiting list, I believe. Um, but you can actually buy the device for yourself. And even if you're in a family, I'll have families maybe buy one and share it. Like let's say one person in the family has focus issues. They could use it during the day. And then somebody else has a sleep issue. They could use it at night. It's not individual specific. Yeah. And so it is a really nice transferable tool for families that are like larger families that might want to share the love a little bit. Yeah. I went to a holistic dentist about a year ago and mm -hmm. I had some metal in my mouth that needed to be removed. It was going to be a big, long process, but I hate dental work. And they used, um, yes. I think it's called touch points where it uh -huh. um, goes on your wrist and it's supposed to be very calming because I don't do nitrous for various reasons. Look it up people. It's important. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of reasons for some of us do not need nitrous oxide, but um, anyway, so I did that and it was the best dental experience I've ever had. I was so calm and chill. And so is it similar? Cause it's, it was vibrate. It was a vibrational yes. thing on my wrist. Is that the, a similar thing? Yes. Similar to touch points. My understanding of the difference is that the Apollo has more different modes. Okay. So I can use it for somebody that's more sympathetic mo mode, which touch points, I feel like is mostly for sympathetic, like calming and bringing yes. it down in like, yes. in like acute anxious spaces, which is great. But the Apollo is more so Okay, when you're super tired, it can help wake you up. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. when you're super anxious, it can help kind of calm you down. So it, it works well at modulating that and bringing you from one state to the other, kind of improving flexibility along that ladder, which is really awesome. Yeah. Ooh, I love that. Okay. So what, what's next? Keep going. This is good. I know it's, it's cool stuff. This is why I love this stuff. My, my patients are like, yeah, we know she loves this. <laughs> <laughs> so the safe and sound protocol, the SSP. That is something we actually do in the practice. We administer it ourselves. It's actually actually Dr. Porges's brainchild. It's funny because it's, you listen to it in headphones and it sounds like elevator music and you're like, this is probably not doing anything. <laughs> but there are specific sound waves embedded in this soundtrack um, that are perceived as like the frequency of a gentle, soothing voice. Again, like the Apollo Neuro is like a touch. The safe and sound program is like a gentle, soothing voice. You don't hear it. You just, the sound waves are giving that impression to your nervous system. 
um, because it actually moves the muscles of the inner ear of the inner and middle ear, which stimulates certain neural pathways and helps to regulate the nervous system. Again, the entire purpose of all these interventions is just to be like, hey, body, we're safe. Like it's okay mm-hmm. for you to exist as you were meant to exist and created to be. Um, so one thing that the safe and sound protocol really encompasses is that it really works on off of the concept of prosody which is the rhythm stress and intonation of speech because every aspect of speech except the actual words we speak is also important (laughs) um you know sometimes we'll have people say it's not what you say it's how you say it or your teacher might have said that to you in the past um because it really depends our body will really change how it responds to a certain set of words based on how it's said um, if you think about the prosody of a healing voice, it's almost like a lullaby that you sing to your baby. Like that, that's kind of where we want to be. And that's what the safe and sound protocol provides is that prosody of healing. And so it's a soundtrack. You listen to it over a period of 10, 30 minute sessions about once a week is how we do it in our practice um, because it allows you some time to assimilate it. So you do like a 30 minute session, listening to it on an app over Zoom with a health coach. And then after 10 weeks, you're done. It's very nice because it actually helps to change the baseline of the nervous system and it's one and done. So once you've completed this program, you are good unless you've been through anything different or uh, your trauma changes or you feel the need to continue. It's nice because it's a one and done intervention. We use it a lot with like kids that are on summer break Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something like that. There's pediatric versions and there's also adult versions. That's awesome. Yeah. I have not heard of that. I, cause I'll do different things like, um, binaural beats or um, there's different frequency mm-hmm. music you can listen to like on Spotify and things like that. Um, so is it, so it is, it is similar to that to where it's just different sound waves that it's, or like new calm I've done new calm before. So yes. it's that kind of a thing. It's similar to like a brain tap, new calm, Okay. Some binaural beats principles, but it's specifically studied to improve like trauma, depression, anxiety, wow, okay. ADD, ADHD. And I love it because it's associated with Dr. Porges, who of course created the polyvagal theory. And so it's from that polyvagal informed perspective. And it also encourages a lot of introspection for the patient or client mm-hmm. that's going through it. Like, do you feel like you can shift from sympathetic to ventral? Do you feel like it helped mm-hmm. you shift from dorsal? to ventral, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of education built into it as well, which is really helpful and healing too. Awesome. Okay. So the next one, the next is kind of focusing more on like the cognitive or the thought life aspect of it. And that would be more like limbic system retraining. So thinking about like your DNRS, which stands for dynamic neural retraining system, no pop quiz on that y'all. <laughs> DNRS is what we call it for short. And there's also Gupta. And so these are really comprehensive limbic system supports. We can think of the limbic system as almost like the sentry of our nervous system. The limbic system is always on guard, always on alert, looking around. And so we can think of it as if we had a sentry at the wall, like at some big wall, and they're looking out and they see a leaf drop on the floor and they think intruder, intruder, intruder. After our body can be, after our body gets into sympathetic, it can be be very oversensitive to stimuli. Like it can think that a leaf is a robber or something like that. (laughs) And so the limbic system can get really dysregulated. And so it will start to see danger or threat where there actually is no danger. And so the purpose of DNRS and Gupta is to disassociate benign stimuli 
from a danger response with the body and and from to kind of remove that thought process from even happening. It's very much subconscious. It's not something you would be aware of that your body is doing. Ultimately, your body's trying to protect you. This is a learned response on behalf of your body, but it is not helpful for healing because it'll keep you stuck in these cycles mm. of sensing danger where no danger exists, bringing you into sympathetic more often than not, and further dysregulating your nervous system and creating more symptoms too. So DNRS and Gupta and also Mind Remap, which is like a practitioner guided version of DNRS and Gupta, which are self-guided, um, those three all help with like embracing that cognitive or limbic aspect of, of nervous system retraining. That's wow. That's so interesting. All right. Keep going. I know you have a couple, a few more left, right? I do. I do have a couple more. Um, there's also some easy things you can do. So that's always exciting. (laughs) We don't always have to, again, I, I remind patients of this all the time. Like we have your whole life to go or we need to go. Like (laughs) we don't need to be in a rush to fix these things right now. The more we rush, sometimes the more we can reinforce this like kind of signal to the body of like, I don't have enough time, scarcity. Oh my goodness. I don't, I can't do this. And so sometimes the best thing to do is the most simple thing. And so in that kind of situation or scenario, I often recommend vagal exercises from Dr. Rosenberg. So he has a book called Accessing the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve. And that's really helpful. The exercises look kind of silly. So you might want to do them at home when nobody's around because they'll probably look weird. But you're like going to pull your ears and do some different things. It helps to stimulate the vagus nerve directly. Again, when we're talking about the polyvagal theory, we're talking about the shift between different states on the vagus nerves, like basically different modes of the vagus nerve. And so this is a manual way of stimulating the vagus nerve. Other easy ways to do this besides doing the exercises are singing, which is my favorite, Mm -hmm. gargling, humming, chanting, all those things stimulate the vagus nerve and can help shift you out of that state easily and quickly. In addition to like your regular old breathing exercises and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That was the hardest thing for me during the initial COVID lockdowns was not being able to go to church and sing because singing is so healing for me. And now I realize, oh, it's because of the way it's stimulating my vagus nerve. And that's huge. And it's huge, even for kids, like to be able to sing with kids in the car. I mean, I have one kid that just sings like crazy, random nonsense stuff. And then I have another kid who asked me to rub his ears a lot because I gave him a, a vagus nerve ear massage. And ever Ooh. since then, <laughs> that's what, that's what he loves. And so it's like, there are these little things that you can do throughout the day that maybe you already mm-hmm. do that people already do yeah. not realizing this is a calming activity for your vagus nerve. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the reason why our body gravitates toward it. And even singing in in church, if you think about that, that's not only about your vagus nerve activation, it's also about heart rate variability because we are hearts learn to connect with the hearts of others. Mm. And so if other hearts are in this regulated like nervous system state of like safety and ventral vagal and calmness, that's contagious. I mean, we talk about things being contagious, like, you know, all the viruses and such, but this this positive nervous system state Mm. is just as contagious which is one reason why loneliness and anxiety and depression often all go together because we don't aren't exposed to others that are in this healthy healed state. And Mm -hmm. so when we're, especially when we're in church, we're getting a large hit of both that positive ventral vagal energy and presence, plus the vagus nerve activation from singing, which is part of what makes such a powerful experience. In addition to all the spiritual stuff too. 
Yeah. And then, and then the music, music is, is so powerful. As you just said, just the sound right. waves and the way we hear things, but that's interesting. Right. You mentioned, and we don't have a lot of time to go into it today, but I know that oxytocin is a huge mm-hmm. part of, of supporting vagus nerve function and, and nervous system function overall. And oxytocin yes. is released when we are around other people and in warm, safe environments, right? Absolutely. Oxytocin is my other favorite nerd topic, but I absolutely adore oxytocin. I think it's amazing. And the way that we get it is by being community and through physical touch. And when we're so isolated and just depleted of that essential nutrient, I really feel like touch is a nutrient just like any other nutrient. And when we're deprived of other people's presence and just like that calm safety, we really are going to be depleted in oxytocin and we can, you know, do all the things we we want to help our health in other ways. But if we're not getting enough oxytocin, we ultimately will have a harder time regulating our nervous system and we'll have more symptoms in general. So being in community and being around others and hugging are all supportive to your nervous system as well. So could be as simple as getting at least the hug a day (laughs) for regulating your nervous system. Um, Or it could be as complex as doing safe and sound and all the different things, Apollo Neuro. So kind of choose your own adventure and choose what works best for you and your body and really just learn to befriend your body at the end of the day, learn what it needs and respond to that. There's no need to, you know, race to fix all this at once. Your body will tell you. Mm-hmm. And, but the good news is that we have these resources that can mm-hmm. help and they really do help. This isn't just woo woo <laughs> stuff. Um, you know, I'm mm-hmm. in the middle of reading the biology of belief right now by Bruce Lipton. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that's a whole so deep dive. I it's going to take me forever mm-hmm. to read it. Cause I, I read a chapter, then I reread it a week later, you know? Yep. Um, but it is, it is so interesting how we know that our bodies are cells on the cellular level. We are so sensitive to outside influences and it impacts every part of our body. I do want to talk real fast about, um, heart math because we Mm -hmm. left that one out. Um, give a brief, (laughs) yeah. Description of, of how heart math is, is helpful for HRV. It works great if you're somebody like me that's very emotional. <laughs> mm. So heart math, sometimes I have my like very macho guys are like heart math. Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> but I think everyone could benefit from it. Essentially, it's a little like ear based device. You put a clip on your ear, you plug it into your phone or into your computer. And it teaches you this self-paced breathing technique where you put your hand over your heart, you breathe through your heart center basically, and it moves you out of sympathetic very quickly and effectively. So I've had patients that have panic attacks or severe anxiety throughout the day, and just learning to incorporate a couple heart math sessions throughout their day interspersed like in their car before they get out of work, before they get out of the car for work that day. Like that can be really profoundly healing. It's heart rate variability focused on improving. So that's really exciting. It's another way that we can actually help to regulate our heart rate variability and improve it so we're more resilient and adaptable. But it does work very well. It's about two to three minutes each session. So that's the awesome thing there. Wow. Yeah. So that's quick and effective for the people that are like, I don't have time to meditate or whatever, right? (laughs) And it gives you a scientific way to look at it. Like it will give you statistics. Like it'll say... It gives you a pacer, it was a breathing pacer. So it's like a, a mandala that goes in and out. So you can actually breathe with it. So it gives you all the guidelines, you know, how fast to breathe. You can increase the difficulty as you get better at it. 
Because once I started to get really good scores, I was like, I'll change, I'll change my setting. Now it's harder. <laughs> so you can yeah. get, it can get harder as you get better at it. And then it'll give you more and more challenges. Like it'll make your sessions longer. But to start, like the very minimum for effectiveness is like two minutes. So it's really nice to incorporate, especially if you're pressed for time. Busy moms tend to do really well with it. I have lots of kids that do it as well. So it's really helpful for a lot of different folks. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause the goal for all of this, we can't eliminate all of our stress. We, it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. And it's stress is only mm -hmm. increasing, but we can learn to be more resilient. Yep. That's huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the message at the end of the day. Yeah. It's not about avoiding all stress. We can't live in a bubble just like with food sensitivities or whatever. Mm -hmm. The answer is not always just to remove, to remove and to remove and to isolate. It's to improve our body's response yes. to any stressors and improve resilience and tolerance and make our body stronger at the end of the day. Yeah. Preach. Okay. So the last question that I love to ask people is, you know, the name of the show is sparking wholeness. So if you could mm -hmm. give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be? That is so good. I just, again, I just love your podcast and I love that you include this question because I feel like it's so critical and everyone, everyone's answer is different. So I would say the best way to do this is really to slow down and embrace what your body is trying to tell you. Every single thing that happens within your body health-wise, so mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, all the different ways all those symptoms are just signs that your body's trying to communicate something with you. So slow down, be present with yourself, be present in your body and listen. And you'll be surprised at the pattern that emerges if you just take the time to listen and listen with compassion and then respond in kind. I love that. Okay. So where can people get a hold of you, work with you, learn more about what you do, all of that? Awesome. So I work at Ritual Functional Medicine. So the website is just like it sounds. It's ritualfunctionalmedicine.com. Um, and then you can schedule a discovery call. I don't do those at this moment. Our, one of our health coaches does, but she'd be happy to connect you with me. Um, if you'd like to see me, that's always awesome, but there's never any pressure to. There are other providers at our office that are just as wonderful. Um, and then my Instagram for business is at Carly FNP. Okay, great. Well, this was such a good discussion. I'm sure we're going to have to have another one at some point, um, because I'd still love to pick your brain about hormones or pandas or Lyme or mold or, you know, any of those oh, things. But for now, I think this is so important for baseline health. We have to understand how to regulate our bodies and that our bodies are on our side. So I thank you so much for sharing this of information course. with us. You're so welcome, Erin. It's been a pleasure and thanks for having me. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.